Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, July 22nd. We begin with a look at the effect the pandemic has had on girls in amateur sport. We speak with the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport about a new report that indicates as many as one in four girls won't be returning to sports post-pandemic. We've all heard the saying, it's not you, it's me. Well, according to one psychologist, there may be some truth to that. We hear details on a new study that points to working on one's self-awareness as being the key to a successful relationship. Next, we've all had what we thought was the million-dollar idea when it comes to a new business. But why don't we act on it? We speak with an author who penned a book on the topic who explains how lack of action is the greatest barrier to success for would-be entrepreneurs. And finally, as COVID restrictions are lifted and things continue to open up, what is it Canadians and particularly Albertans are most anxious to do with their newfound freedom? We break down the results of a new survey on the activities we're most excited to return to. The Pandemic Impact on Girls in Sport report shows one in four girls are not committed to returning to sport. If something isn't done about it now, more than 350,000 girls will stay sitting on the sidelines in the post-COVID world. Joining us now to talk about it is Alison Sandmeyer-Graves, Chief Executive Officer for Canadian Women in Sport. Good morning, Alison. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. You know, as the mom myself of a young girl in softball, I know it's a battle to keep her playing through these teenage years. Can you explain why this is such a crucial period? And this was even before we'd heard the word pandemic. Absolutely. Well, interestingly, when we talked to girls all across Canada through this study, they told us, in effect, just how valuable sport is for their mental and physical health in the sense that they're missing it so much. They're missing the benefits of sport. They're struggling with missing friends. They are struggling with mental health. You know, obviously everybody's been dealing with a lot of stress through COVID and they're, they don't have the coping mechanism that sport offers them. And physical health, I think we can all relate. Uh, they don't feel as fit. And for a lot of girls, that means not liking how they feel or not liking how they look. And unfortunately, these tie back to a lot of barriers that we know that girls face in sport, even in a good year. So it means that the the obstacles to them accessing and enjoying sport have only gone up. So, Allison, so can we say that this is just an extension of the way it was before the pandemic, since we're not seeing that same impact on the boys? Well, it's definitely part of a bigger story when it comes to girls in sport. Girls went into the pandemic in a pretty precarious position uh you know as many as 62 percent weren't playing at all and girls were dropping out at more than three times the rate of boys we know that everyone (laughs) doesn't matter who you are was impacted by covid everybody had their sport go away on them over the last uh, number of months Um, but we really focused this story on girls because we know that Uh, girls are just not showing up in the way that boys are into sport. And sport has not done a good enough job historically in meeting their needs and interests, which means if we want to get them back in the game for everybody's benefit, we need to really listen closely and act on that right now. And and what does that look like, Allison? You know, creative, innovative, getting girls back. We can talk about it, but what does it look like? How do we do it? How do we make sure we get them back into sports? Well, uh, there are a lot of different things that can be done, actually, and I think that's the good news. I also think the good news is that girls are still in a moment of decision. Sport hasn't fully resumed yet, so they're really trying to decide for themselves what makes sense for them. 
So uh, there are a few things. Number one, let's not make any assumptions. Uh, number one, the girls have changed remarkably over the last 18 months. Who they were going into the pandemic is probably not who they are now. And we make a lot of assumptions about girls. Um, sport has not necessarily been designed with their specific needs in mind. So let's talk to them. Let's find out what they love about sport, what they miss about sport. Let's find out what they would need to see or experience in order to be excited about coming back. Let's talk about how we can support them. And then, of course, let's let's deliver what they're looking for uh, because they've got a lot of choices for their downtime. And if sport isn't appealing to them anymore, they're going to miss out on a lot of benefits. Covered a lot of ground there, Allison. When you, it sounds like it really does take a village to not only you know provide the opportunities but to keep the kids in sports. But is there any uh, you know advice you can offer up to those parents with girls who want to encourage them not only to maybe just start a sport but to keep in said sport? Mm-hmm. I think what's really key overall, no matter who you are and your ability to influence girls, is to just be really intentional. We can't leave this to chance. And so for parents, (laughs) one of the best pieces of advice is to get active yourself. Uh, Parents who are physically active have daughters who are more physically active. So you can be that role model and that positive influence in your own home. I think now's a great time to listen to your girls, to talk to them about what they're looking for, and to advocate for their interests. Sport has not done a great job historically of serving girls, uh, but there are a lot of coaches and program leaders out there who are really committed to this and uh, pointing them to training like the ones you can find on our website at womenandsport.ca can be a great place to start. I agree. And, you know, even things like the Olympics, my daughter plays fastball. So having that back in the Olympics and, and showing her, you know, what you can achieve and where you can go with sport on the field is, is another great example. So thank you so much for joining us, Allison. Really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks. That's Allison Sandmeyer-Graves, who's the Chief Executive Officer for Canadian Women in Sport. And again, that website, womenandsport.ca. Self-awareness is key when it comes to life and to love. Dr. Ilana Jarabek is the president and CEO of Psych Tests and says it's also vital for a happy and healthy relationship. And she joins us now to discuss. Good morning, doctor. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Okay, let's talk about self-awareness. What are the hallmarks? What does that actually mean, being self-aware? Well, to be self-aware essentially means uh, that you're able and willing to take an honest look at yourself and um, to understand um, what are your needs, what are your desires, motivations, feelings, values, uh, so that um, you are better equipped to respond rather than react to the situation. Mm. Okay, we've defined it, uh, Dr. Jarabek, but I'm wondering, you know, how many of us are actually self-aware? Is there data on that? Well, uh, I mean, self-awareness is on a continuum. So very few people are at the top, uh, you know, where, where you would look at, um, uh, like, uh, let, let's say on a scale from zero to 100, uh, people in, in the 90s, high 90s, that is relatively rare. Uh, but most of us are somewhere in between, like, 50 to 80. Okay, so, you know, being self-aware is not expecting others to make you happier. And that can be easier said than done sometimes. So, you know, as you did a study, what did you find? Can you tell us about some of the research that you've come upon? Yes. So uh, what we've done is we took uh, our emotional intelligence test uh, that is available on our website. And uh, 
uh, we identified people who are uh, essentially at the top and at the bottom of the scale in terms of self-awareness. And we have compared them on a number of different aspects uh, of relationship satisfaction. Uh, and um, uh, we have found out that uh, people who are self-aware are definitely much happier in their life in general and in relationship, uh, uh, romantic relationships uh, in particular. So, so, so why is that? Is that because we're not trying to find happiness in another? Well, we are not, uh, pe- people who are self-aware don't rely on others to make them feel happy. That is uh, one of the pillars. Uh, so what, uh, what happens is that um, um, essentially self Self-awareness influences our perception, uh, things that we notice, right? It, um, it can push us into selective attention uh, for things that resonate with us for, for good or bad reasons. Uh, that might be based on past experiences, past trauma, and so forth. So um, the thing is, perception actually determines our reality, what we see, what we feel, uh, what we understand, how we interpret the situation. So uh, if you understand what is going on underneath the, the surface, um, then you are much, much better equipped uh, to deal with a situation, to regulate your emotions. If you don't know what you are reacting to, then you are just, uh, just, just reacting. But if you understand what is really behind that, um, which, which is essentially understanding the emotions that are brought up by the situation and milking those emotions for information, then you can take that info and you can, uh, you can analyze it using your rational or logical mind. So you basically get the best out of both worlds. So not always just knowing the, the what, sometimes knowing the underlying, the, the why is just as important. And, and perhaps we maybe need a little help to get there. And that's not a bad idea either, is it? Well, exactly. So, uh, if, uh, so, so for example, emotions bring up something when you are arguing with your, with, with your partner. That will cause you to zero in on certain aspects of your partner's behavior and you may actually misinterpret what is uh, what is meant by the partner and that's what you will be reacting to so instead it is a much better idea to allow the, the emotions to rise to the surface analyze them figure out what is going on underneath and then uh, you choose your uh, response rather than reacting on the spot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting because self-aware people um, are not only uh, able to regulate their emotions and they are more comfortable expressing their feelings, showing emotional vulnerability, which in turn can create a, a much better connection with someone on a much deeper level. But... Um, they are also able to put a uh, uh, heavily emotionally charged situation into a better perspective. They understand that uh, nobody can uh, make them feel small unless they allow them <laughs> themselves right, to right. feel small. Very interesting. Right? Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there for time, but that is interesting. We appreciate you sharing your time with us this morning, Dr. Jarabek. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. That is Dr. Alona Jarabek, President and CEO of Psych Tests.
testyourself.psychtests.com. Most of us have had at one time or another a great idea for a business, but do we ever act on that idea? For most of us, the answer is no. Doug Ross is an entrepreneur and a business leader and now an author whose new book, Spark, Click, Go, How to Bring Your Creative Business Idea to Life, might just help motivate you to bring those ideas to reality. We say good morning to Doug Ross. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. Well, you say the cause of death for most ideas is lack of action. What stops uh, people from following through and carrying on with their idea? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is not knowing where to start. Uh, another reason would be thinking that uh, they have lack of resources, or maybe their idea is not um, unique enough or is going to find uh, a, a place in the market. So are we talking, Doug, startups of businesses? Are we talking specific product ideas that we might have had or maybe a combo of both? Uh, could be combo of both or could be either. Absolutely. And, and how far along in the process are we talking here? Are we talking about people who've got the ball rolling and then feel stonewalled and throw up their arms? So I'm wondering if, uh, you know, trying and failing, that's, you know, obviously we hear that failure is the best lesson. Is it a case that uh, they've, you know, made it a certain distance or is it from the idea and the concept that it dies? Oh, well... <laughs> I think that's a great question. Of course, it could die at any stage. Um, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs and I've been parts of businesses where, you know, you keep going and keep going and you're not sure whether and when you're going to get traction. The key thing, I think, is that you keep, uh, you know, adapting your idea based on what the customer feedback is and whether you're getting traction. And traction would be things like uh, sales. Uh, or you're getting people that are, are supporting your idea, they're encouraging you to go further. You know, maybe you've got some influencers that have, have noticed it and are helping you along. Um, it could be at any stage, but um, what I really try and encourage people to do is to shape any idea that they might have in some way. So get it out of your head and literally onto paper. Describe it. Uh, describe it in as few words as you can. Uh, create a model or a prototype. Do something with your idea that then you can take to other people, intended customers, and get feedback from them on that. And if you do this and you bring some, um, you know, either an original idea or just an imaginative twist on an idea, this will help you to reduce the risks of failure. I mean, you know, if you don't even take that first step and write it down, you can't go any farther. That makes perfect sense. So what is that what inspired you to write the book? Is that you just heard from too many people saying, oh, I have an idea, but I just never did anything with it. So Spark, Click, Go is your book. Have you, have you helped people get to that point in the past? Yes, absolutely, um, Sue. And, uh, and part of it as well is um, sort of scratching my own itch because I've had a lot of ideas myself and not necessarily taken them further. And then I've had in um, my business career, I've seen a lot of different businesses, started businesses, and I, I stepped back, looked across the different industries that I've been a part of, 
and other elements of life, even, you know, uh, creative ventures such as, uh, you know, movie production, things like that, and looked for common elements there as to what you need to do to bring this idea to life. So, yeah, it was both scratching my own itch and also hearing people or seeing people not taking action. Doug, I'm wondering, those people who have these creative ideas and have the ingenuity to, to, to think this idea can make it, some of them just, you know, seem to make it look easy. So I'm wondering, are some people born, you know, with that idea and, and sparked it to take it to reality? Or does everybody have to learn the skill set to bring something to reality? I think it can be learned. Um, you know, from the outside, it looks like, in many cases, oh, it was easy for that person or that idea was obvious, but we're often seeing the tail end of a lot of work and a lot of years uh, of trying. So I think a lot of people can do it. I, I certainly uh, try in this book to bring uh, both the inspiration uh, to people, ideas, motivating ideas, and the tools to do it. It's called Spark, Click, Go, How to Bring Your Creative Business Idea to Life by Douglas Ross. Thanks for joining us, Doug. Appreciate your time this morning. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Sue and Andy. Thank you. That is uh, the website, uh, by the way, that's Doug Ross, and the website is sparkclickgo.com to get more information. I came up, I'm not going to, you know, toot my own horn, but I did come up many, many years ago with slippers that you could clean the floor with. Oh. And Swiffer has now made a fortune off my idea because yeah. I didn't do anything with it. It's, it's, those are the ideas. Yeah. But where you, Haven't you, we all had a million of those? And you're, oh, that's just ridiculous that somebody else comes up with it and actually makes something of it. Yeah, do you know of somebody who owns a factory who can design this mm-hmm. product for you? There's, but, you know, there's so many reasons not to do something. You know, let's look at those reasons to get things done. And I think probably it's human nature for the path of least resistance uh, to a large extent that you've got a comfortable job. Would you want to leave that? And then you hear about a few people, um, and it doesn't have to be men, but uh, a few gentlemen who had some ideas and they started little businesses in their garages. And those are names like Steve Jobs yeah, and maybe yeah. the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos. And hey, maybe people will want to buy books online. Right. And now Amazon, uh, he was in space two days ago. It takes a certain it's breed crazy. to really push through with an idea. We don't all have that in us and, and the potential is there. To leave the... To leave the uh, it's hard. Cushy might be a bit of a... You know, maybe your job isn't cushy, but, you know, you get your paycheck every two weeks. Why make that leap? It's It's got to be, uh, you know, that, and, and you got to give them a, a, a tip of the hat for that entrepreneurial spirit because it's a real risk. That's why I love uh, Great Ideas, that feature yes, that we, Glenn we do. Stewart, yeah. he, Glenn Stewart's great. He finds amazing stories like that of people who have come up with ideas and you go, oh, yeah. that is a great idea. I never really thought about it, it that is way. Great idea. And you know what? He has a company that facilitates these sorts of things because you just don't know where to start. And I mean, chances are, if you've had that great idea, it is a product, for example, or a service that you could use. There's probably many, many, many more people out there uh, that could use it. Mm-hmm. But it's taking that first step. And it's it's got to be maybe paralyzed with fear to a certain extent uh, when you're not into that world. We just, I think we just poo-poo our own ideas and don't, so? don't give ourselves enough credit. So now that the country seems to be opening up following almost a year and a half of COVID lockdowns, what is it we want most to do right now? Taz Rajan is the community engagement partner with Bromwich and Smith Licensed Insolvency Trustees. They put together a little survey asking that question. Good morning to you, Taz. Good morning. 
Thank you for joining us this morning. So I'm wondering, within your survey and your research, what's the number one thing Canadians want to do coming out of the pandemic? You know, it's um, different in different uh, provinces, but really people are just looking to get out there, whether it's eating out at restaurants or getting to the cottages, you know, just getting out there is really important. Shopping is another one. (laughs) Yeah, we've been uh, not getting our retail therapy, that's for sure. Um, I want to have a house party. That's what I'm looking forward to. What else are Albertans (laughs) specifically wanting to do now that we've been released? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Albertans are leading the charge, actually, um, in terms of saving money, which is interesting. Um, Sort of in the middle of Canada for, you know, wanting to get out there to dine out, shop till you drop. Um, Albertans are wanting to get on planes, trains and automobiles as well. And, you know, just like you, Sue, a lot of Albertans want to party like it's 1999. (laughs) We got to back this up, Taz, because, you know, we heard that a lot of people did actually save money during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Are you saying uh, Mm -hmm. that when we should be uh, celebrating, you know, maybe uh, opening the doors and and buying that special something because we have that opportunity, maybe save some money uh, that we we want to we want to look ways to save money after the pandemic? That sounds like it's not so fun. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't sound so fun unless you've got some big goals. So it's really interesting because, you know, Andy, in Alberta, you know, our lockdowns weren't quite as severe maybe as, you know, Ontario, right? So in Alberta, we have been able to dine out somewhat. We have been able to shop somewhat. So there are more Albertans saving, you know, saying that they want to save. I suspect come winter time. More Albertans are going to want to go south and blow that money. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, we hear that on the text line constantly. I just can't wait till I can travel to dot, dot, dot. So is that one of the things that really popped up on your survey is people want to get on holiday? Right, absolutely. People do want to get out, whether it's, and it's not necessarily like these big vacations, right? It's getting out to different cottages, camping, but getting that experience of being away from this lockdown, being away from this isolation and the same, I think we're just bored of seeing all of the same things and we just want to get out in nature and we want to be on the beaches and we just want to have a little fun with our family. Taz, it's interesting because yeah, we want to get with uh, together with family and friends, maybe hit our favorite restaurants, uh, but it's interesting on your survey, if you can break down the numbers for us, as far as going to the club and, <laughs> and you know, dancing, <laughs> not so much, uh, maybe we're not ready for that quite yet. Right, absolutely. So, you know, in Alberta, just to give you an idea of, you know, how strongly we were feeling certain things, 39% of Albertans are dying to dine out. And yet, really, the numbers in terms of clubbing was, was super low. And, you know, when it comes to partying, it's, it's only 20% of Albertans want to really party. So there is a little bit of a difference there in terms of how badly we want to do certain things here in Alberta, for sure. It's a double-vax summer for many of us in this province and uh, right across the country. Thanks for joining us with details of this survey. Appreciate it, Taz. Thanks, you. That is Taz Rajan, who is community engagement partner with Bromwich and Smith, licensed insolvency trustees. And, you know, I think, I guess it probably does depend on whether you've been vaccinated, whether you've got one vaccination, two vaccinations, or where you kind of stand in that world as to what you want to get out and do. I really do. I, uh, we love having dinner parties, yeah, house parties, probably have a couple of big parties a year. That's the one that I'm really, really excited about, just to have people back in my home and, and be able to, you know, just have some fun. But unless it's Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, a dinner party might be two or three couples yeah. in, in New York family, maybe 10 or 15 people, who knows? But I, I think that this does show that there is still a little bit of reticence, that we're cautiously optimistic because... 
And it, it's interesting, business-wise, you don't want to see this, but we look at, for example, the Ranchmans, which were shut down, was sold, was bought again. These That is, if you really break down what was completely locked down and, and shut down, the nightclubs, for example, we don't want to go back quite yet. Yeah. That's got to be tough because you got those huge dance floors, um, you know, in the real estate on a lot of these places for the leases. But we're not ready for that yet. And uh, it's it's going to be survival of the fittest to see who comes out when you own a nightclub, for example. I don't know that this poll broke down age groups because obviously the younger people are ready to get out yeah. go to the nightclubs because we saw that at Nashville North. It was, you know, packed every night yes. through Stampede, Stampede, basically. So I think young people are, the rest of us maybe just... It's that old, you know, you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, yeah. and because it has happened to us over the past year and a half, right? And we thought things were going well. And then, you know, more, it's not a lockdown. We didn't have lockdowns, but more, uh, you know, things were put in place as to what we could and couldn't do. And we sort of got used to that happening where things, you thought things were coming along and, oh, there, put the brakes on again. So yeah. maybe it's a little bit of that, right? We've just, we've experienced it so much. We don't want to get too, too excited for fear the rug might be pulled out from under us again. That secular nature of, of what we've seen. And it's interesting because, um, you know, when she said that Albertans coming out want to save money, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, it's counterintuitive because, yes, yeah, so many of us did save. You maybe didn't have childcare costs. You maybe weren't using your car as much. Who knows what it might be? You weren't going out for dinner. You weren't having your vacations. But I think that could be uh, two streams because, like you say, it was on again, off again. Maybe a lot of Albertans want to save money because of the uncertainty when it's on again, off again. Maybe employment aid could be impacted. But the other thing is, as as a longtime Albertan, and you didn't have to be here even that long to realize that going into the pandemic, our economy wasn't exactly yeah. rosy. So maybe... Albertans have grown up and gotten responsible, whereas before we used to be just, you know, the pockets were open and yeah, what can who? I spend my money on? <laughs> some of us are, some of us have grown up. Um, <laughs> hey, if you're looking to get out and about and do stuff around the city, for example, here's one that won't cost you any money if you want to save money. Like that. Studio Bell, free on weekends for the rest of 2021. So there's some good news for you. It's really cool. If you've never been to Studio Bell, go check it out. The building itself is beautiful. You're down in the East Village, which is just a great area to wander around. There's some mm-hmm. nice little restaurants, some great coffee shops, and just the architecture and stuff that's going on down there. I am a huge, I love the East Village. I don't live anywhere near there. I'm not sure that I would want want to live there. I'm not really a downtown kind of girl. Yes. But to go down and hang out is really fun. The library, again, if you've not visited our new library, go and see it. It is spectacular. But Studio Bell, free on the weekends for the rest of 2021. And then if you want to get a little fancier and maybe do spend some money, how about... Packwood Grand. It is oh coming gosh. back. It's a horse racing event. This thing is a little it's bit fancy. It is foo You have to be invited. I think you can just send an email in and then they will invite you to it. But they try to make it, you know, a classy, fancy affair and you, you have to dress up and everybody does. It's pretty yeah. fun if you ever get the chance to go. It's very, very dressy and it's, uh, you know, everything matches and it takes you back in time. Also, this will cost you a buck or two, but if you're a foodie, this one is for you. Do check it out. We're just on the back edge of it. The 17th Avenue Food Fest. Mm. 23 different food establishments having some different offerings, crafted special offerings and menus, only through to the 25th. So we're on the okay. back edge of this thing. It was 10 days long. So if you search Taste of 17th Food Festival and you want some different eats, uh, you can take advantage of that right through to the 25th. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.